on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. How did we do it again? We're, we're doing it again. Uh, and I am excited for our co-host today. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Aida Asma. Yes, that's me. That's me. I'm here. Yes. We need more Aidas in the world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I am named after what you think I'm named after. So Leontine Price, etc. Aida, yes. yes uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. The Verdi Opera itself. The princess from the opera, yes. Okay. Have you seen Aida it? Osman. Yeah, I've seen it. We actually performed it at my pretty much all-white school back in Nebraska, where I'm from. Oh. How did that go? <laughs> um, just imagine all the blackface, but like all of the like almost blackface, just like kind of darker foundation. Oh, yeah, and then tans. ignoring it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I got to play Aida, so <laughs> I won. <laughs> well, you know, at least they gave you that opportunity, yeah. right? And wasn't imagine? like, you know, we should, but... <laughs> Somewhere Sherry between, over yeah. here is just so much better. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere between Aida and Ariana on the foundation spectrum. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, I'm excited you're here because this is a big day for like music, right? Yeah. Missy Elliott is finally getting that Vanguard Award. Run her her things at MTV, which. It's ridiculous that it is 2019 and she's getting the video Vanguard Award. I mean, now. I look, I, I love people like Rihanna, but it's so weird that she would win the video Vanguard Award before Missy Elliott. And also, it's ridiculous that it's still called the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award. <laughs> Can we have one meeting? J Lo won it last year, right? Was yeah, J Lo did it last year. And even J Lo was like, you got, guys, I think Missy should have won. So, like, that's how we knew we were really, really behind the curve mm-hmm. on giving her this award. Yeah. And I feel like um, over on the read, they've been talking about it for years. Every day. Uh, every day. <laughs> every time. And uh, yeah, I did not remember that it was called the Michael Jackson Vanguard Award yeah. until I saw a tweet about it, which had the official title. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just the Video Vanguard Award at this point. And well, by the way, mm-hmm. most people would just call it the Video Vanguard Award, so we can just phase that out, people. <laughs> yes, yes. And I know that, you know, Crystal and Kid Fury have been yelling about it because every tweet I saw directly underneath was like, at the read, at the read, at the read. Mm-hmm. They all wanted them to see that this happened. But yeah, they it didn't even used to be called that. It was just the Vanguard Award got given to him and been like was called the Michael Jackson Vanguard Award, blah, blah, blah. And then is now... Should be the Missy Elliott Vanguard Award. No <laughs> kidding. They should well, just rename it to that. She's like the hip hop York <laughs> in terms of videos. You never knew what you were going to get. Mm-mm. And additionally, it was, it's a combination. Her videos are always a combination of fucked up and lovable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's such a specific blend. And also, just in general, I find that she is the millennial Dolly Parton in terms of there's both an obvious wholesomeness to her mm-hmm. and also beloved like it'd be so weird for you to criticize her in any way the same way you would with Dolly, same way with Dolly Parton and then also a one-of-a-kind songwriter you yeah. know so just uh, she's just the our universal thing yeah who's written so many other songs for other people too totally um, yeah. and a feature just elevates a song um 
Yeah, I tweeted the same thing that it should be called the Missy Elliott really? Vanguard Award. I promise and I then, didn't see it. Now, I'm not accusing you. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've invited you here to confront you You're about right. your tweets. <laughs> uh, I was saying that I tweeted it, and then I'm always um, surprised, um, but I shouldn't be uh, the Michael Jackson stands who are on social media because yeah. you That's feel like— That's the number like one rabid fan you? base, the you number f- one. You feel Worse like they are I would say yes. Old mm-hmm. to be on Twitter attacking people, yeah. searching Michael Jackson's name. Go watch Thriller on YouTube. Get <laughs> yeah. off Twitter. It's just that I'm always shocked when pop stars from that era have rabbit fans on social media. Yeah. I mean, we we know a few Madonna ones. <laughs> um, but it, no, it but, is weird. It's like it's not like Suzanne Vega stands are out here, you know, ripping you apart for not representing Luca correctly. <laughs> well, here's my not so hot take on it is that I think that it should be renamed because not necessarily for inherently what happened. That is a huge issue. But for the implications for other people who have been, you know, assaulted as children when they get to see this person who is still revered as a god and still gets things accredited to him. Because we as a society can't decide it's time to move on. Like, let's move forward. We don't need, I'm not even, listen, I'm 22. And I'm going to tell you right now, Michael Jackson is the smallest part of my of my childhood. We didn't really listen to him like that. Like, we can move on. Is mm-hmm. that messed up to say? No, it's not messed up to say. Uh, I would argue that there are plenty of people who are icons in music who could have this renamed after them, too. Mm-hmm. Because it's not even taking away what Michael Jackson has, you know, like Michael Jackson has so much of a storied history with MTV in general that when you're thinking of video vanguard, if you're thinking about it currently, presently, who people who are coming up in music were probably inspired by the most, I'm going to say it's Missy. Sure. You know, or or even like if you want to do a Jackson Janet. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. By yeah. the way, not hard to rename it after Janet. Absolutely. That I mean, like we too. have a Madonna who exists who had 700 classic videos, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, Missy lots. definitely deserves it. And I, if you look at recent artists, especially I'm thinking Tierra Whack mm-hmm. and, you know, who was just amazing and out there and wild in her own right. And Amine, and I'm thinking, trying to think of like younger black artists who clearly look to Missy Elliott for the absurdity and Lizzo. the commentaries. Lizzo. All of these, all of these artists who are making music videos that have points but are also whimsical. You even see that in like Solange a bit, you know, like some of the um, humor and stuff that's yeah. in her videos. Yeah. Visionaries. They're yeah. all visionaries in their own right. I love it. I love it so much. Missy Elliott deserves yeah. it. Beyonce. Finally. A, the, I feel like the Beyonce video that reminds me the most of like a Missy influence is the kitty cat video. Yeah. Where she's like riding that big cat. Like that yes. is just the kind of playfulness Goofy. that you get from a Missy video. It's time. Cartoonishness with a, uh, a kind of raunchy edge. Yeah. And there's like the lack of fear of being unattractive for a moment, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's beautiful to see women doing. And constantly having a blast, by the way. We all know who Missy Elliott is, but just like the sheer joy mm-hmm. of what she does. Yeah. Uh-huh. So who is turning <laughs> the VMAs on for the one Missy Elliott performance and then turning it off immediately? I mean, here's the thing. I have I have a disease where I believe in the sanctity of award shows, <laughs> oh, so I would goodness. be there anyway. However, the VMAs are fading hard for me, and I used to love them very seriously. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. I will certainly tune in for that. Okay, yeah. good. You'll be there. Uh, wish it were like a halftime show or something, so it would be easier to tune in to. You know when? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now i got to just sit there and wait, check every five seconds. Uh, well, this is going to be a fun episode. Heck yeah. Yes. Um, speaking of being unafraid to be unattractive, 
we're all going to be ugly now because we're not going to work out anymore. Oh, that's right. Equinox and SoulCycle <laughs> are canceled. My friends. Gone. Equinox and SoulCycle. <laughs> or are they? The best part is I've had such little money. I've been protesting them since before this. <laughs> what? You were innovative. I'm here. I'm ahead uh, of the curve. We're also going to be joined by actress Angelica Ross yes. from Pose Oof. and the upcoming American Horror Story 1984. She's a Ryan Murphette. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to talk about Universal's fun decision to pull a movie called The Hunt. And it's not about Bonnie. Which is the greatest shame. Yeah. <laughs> Nor Linda. Wow. She's on NCIS LA. Don't worry about her. Or Helen. What's she up to right now? Who knows? Remember when she narrated Our Town for no reason on Broadway? Anyway, we'll talk about this later. Well, we'll be right back. <laughs> Pull out your calendars, kids. The first election of taking back shit from Trump is actually happening in one month. On September 10th, North Carolina's 9th District is holding a special election to determine who will represent them in the House of Representatives. This is a showdown between the Democrat and Marine veteran Dan McCready versus Dan Bishop, the guy who invests in white supremacist websites, believes that Black Lives Matter should be condemned as a racist group, and famously tried to ban trans people from using bathrooms that match their identities. So fuck him. This is why this election is being held now. For the second time? Because in 2018, Republicans actually stole and forged absentee ballots to deliver a win to Republicans over McCready. This was one of the biggest election fraud cases in U.S. history. I know you probably may not remember that because... <laughs> All we hear about is election fraud these days. Anyway, fortunately, they got caught. So here we are again. Democrat Dan McCready versus a white supremacist. How 2019. We're one month out from the election day, and it's a really crucial time for the campaign. Republicans have flooded the district with $4 million, and the McCready campaign is racing to fight back. So if you want to help prevent Republicans from gaining this seat, Chip into Dan McCready's campaign now so they can build the ground game they need to win. You can donate directly to his campaign or by going to the North Carolina section of votesaveamerica.com slash states. And if you want to hear the rest of the election fraud story, check out Rigging North Carolina, this month's series on Crooked Minis. Turns out that billionaire Stephen Ross the chairman of the parent company for SoulCycle and Equinox is kind of trash. You oh. know, when I hear of a billionaire, I immediately want to trust them. Yeah. <laughs> and today, it all fell apart. The name Stephen makes me feel warm and yeah. safe, right? <laughs> right. Uh, after it was reported that Ross was hosting a fundraiser for Trump in the Hamptons at $100,000 per plate, Celebrities, influencers, and regular people alike overwhelmingly called for a boycott of the company's services. Wow, I thought the Hamptons was supposed to be a safe haven. I yeah. know. Yeah, for Carly Simon concerts. Yeah, yeah. Right. For, for, for Bravo Summer House. Yeah. Uh, for Emily Thorne to enact her revenge. Is nowhere safe for us. <laughs> anyway, this has turned into quite a fiasco. A quagmire. Online. It has been gay on gay violence <laughs> for the past week. In West Hollywood, everyone is talking about it. Really? I was just walking down the street in West Hollywood, and there was a poster out a window of someone saying, cancel 
Equinox. And I have to tell you, the Norma Ray vibe of it really lit me up. I was at the airport on my way here, and when I got to the airport, there was a very obvious white gay wearing an Equinox shirt, and he saw me make eye contact with him. And I think he knew exactly what I was thinking, and he covered up the sign. He said, it's wash day. <laughs> he felt so bad. He felt so guilty inherently. Like, And I was like, yo, what are you doing? But he knew. He knew. He's like, I promise. It's not. It's not what you think. Oh, my God. That is so funny. I have friends who go to crunch. Yes. Yes. I, and I recently found out this also affects Blink Fitness for us pores over here, me. Oh, does it? I didn't know that. Yeah, so I got to cancel that too. Wow. So it's going to be a fat girl summer for me. <laughs> Listen, wow. Listen. <laughs> Which I'm happy about. You're 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 in New York, you know. Can't yes. you join um, Lucille Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> that a friend of yours? <laughs> Just walk. I've, I don't know what you're talking about. That's that's the all women gym that I oh, think's really? in the East Village. You know how happy just... my Muslim mom would be about that. She's like, yeah, go there, go to the Silo Roberts. <laughs> I'll go. I'll sign up. Actually, I don't work out. Let's not lie. Uh, <laughs> Let's not lie. So after all of this, the hashtag boycott Equinox began trending, and many celebrities like. Um, Friend of Keep It, Billy Eichner, Chrissy Teigen, and Sophia Bush were tweeting out their support of the boycott. One thing that people have brought up in the wake of this is that we should have always known that Equinox was evil because it's a, you know, lifestyle brand that's for people who can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Right. Valuing moneyed people is Valuing money, valuing um, status, and just like all the posters, too, are just like these perfect looking sort of models and it's sort of this like already a billionaire-ish aspect Mm -hmm. you know like if you're going there there's the idea that even if you're not hot you're wealthy so you're already separated from the other people who don't go there yeah it's advertising Um, exclusivity Yeah. yeah so it's like were you surprised was i surprised um i surprised is the wrong word but i would say i think disappointed is still apt because there's something about a gym that caters, I don't know what to say caters to, has a lot of gay people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this until I visited a friend in D.C. recently and went to a basically completely gay male gym. It is a specific kind of fun vibe. I don't know. It, it's almost like when you go to a gay doctor, you realize how much you were missing. Like you can have conversations you weren't going to have. You can learn more. People communicate with you better, whatever. Um so I would say that the person who runs this is so directly obsessed with promoting Trump. Yeah, I do think that's completely fucked up because it's just I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still I'm definitely like a cis white gay guy. I still want to go to a place where I feel a little bit like I'm around the people I want to be around who, you know, get my life, et cetera. And it sounds like Equinox was a place where people felt like they could do that. Yeah, you if could I, go see them dancing. Yeah. Sure. That's right. Walking around on those. Apparently, it's a slightly snottier vibe than I'd prefer for me personally, but <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting that this comes right after June, right? Because I am still um, an Equinox member as of this time. And I remember June was rainbows and everything. everything. And (laughs) we love you. That's why I especially think that they're under more fire because they've stuck their leg out to say that we are pro-queer, we are pro—they're activists in a way, right? So now that we get to see that Stephen Ross is a advocate or a proponent for his own reasons, whatever they may be, whether it's a business angle or if he actually supports Trump, um, now we're getting to they're see— They're friends. Yeah, they're They've just been buzz. friends for years, so— <sighs> That's the cutest possible angle. <laughs> but that's why they're—I think that's why they're under more fire, because I— 
expected more out of Equinox. In a way, I didn't, but also in a way, I did. I didn't think mm-hmm. that this would be what would happen with them. Well, and you expected maybe more out of Soul Cycle because they mm-hmm. sort of traffic in um, platitudes and um, exorcisms, et cetera. <laughs> and, you know, it sort of seems like the thing that is very lovey-dovey. We love everyone. But these are all corporations. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to feel surprised. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest things about Equal Months is that contract is very hard to get out of. Oh, yeah. Uh, Did you try? Some people, well, I have not yet because I have a bunch of sessions that I've paid for that I cannot (laughs) let go to waste before I cancel. Luckily, my trainer and I have talked about um, working together outside of the gym. Yeah. um, So we could do that after those things are used up. But the fact of the matter is like, once you pay all that money, it's like, yeah, if it anything, away. it would be homophobic of you to cancel yeah. because you're putting a gay man out of his own money. <laughs> yeah. so oh, you no, my trainer that. is straight. Oh, I was talking about you. But. Oh, it's me. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, my trainer, the only straight black man I care yeah. about. True. There's only one. There can only be one in your life. Yes. What's funny is after this Equinox debacle, another fight started raging on social media because— Armand Hammer. Who loves to step in (laughs) it. Army, Army. (laughs) Armand loves... And also to jump out of it. (laughs) (laughs) The behavior that he exhibits is messy. (laughs) The messy jumped out. Right. He tweeted, hey, while everyone seems to be on this Equinox thing, I love his tweet starting with, hey. Hey. (laughs) We're all friends. Hey, guys. Your friendly neighborhood, Armand Hammer. Uh, While everyone seems to be on this Equinox thing, it might be a good time to mention that one of Trump's largest financial contributors is the chairman of Marvel Entertainment, Isaac Perlmutter. Stop. Just say it. Spelled J-U-S-S-A-Y-I-N. Which is my least fire. He's like, here, you guys, you want more? (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Just saying is my least favorite way to end a tweet, by the way. Just putting it out there. Number one, it's the worst. I say this as a fan of Army Hammer. (laughs) My least favorite is Dash Kid Rock. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah he signed that tweet (laughs) his attack of taylor swift where i tweeted a joke at him and then was labeled in the press a taylor swift fan who got angry well you're not not one you're pretend now see you're pretending to separate yourself but whenever she comes up on this podcast okay well i don't i don't i I sway swift i don't need a i don't need a scarlet t on my chest (laughs) a red a red t yeah shout out to the album (laughs) yeah right right but uh, I want to get into the nature of boycotting in general. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Well, first of all, I'm mad that Army would do point us to Marvel because I got to see what I got to see movies. I got to see my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And I can't. So that's what it is with boycotting. We get so picky and choosy and like we cherry pick what things we want to agree with and disagree with. It's easy to cancel your gym membership. Very easy. It's not easy to stop shopping at H&M when we decided to boycott H&M. It's not easy to not go to Marvel movies, in my opinion. So like, look, I got a Spider-Man tattoo on my arm. Here okay, Marvel is already imprinted into me. You are Marvel. Marvel is you. What you going to do? Not go to the movies? That is wild. <laughs> but so I just don't understand. Like we're in a society. Are we all going to start signing up for Soul Cycle again in a couple of weeks when this all blows over and we forget? That's actually the easiest one to quit, by the way, because yeah. Soul Cycle you pay by class. Mm-hmm. So people I quit could just... every class I've gone to. I quit halfway in. <laughs> so <laughs> just let's all start doing it again. Innovative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and people have pointed out that Armand may be somewhat salty because he did not get a Marvel or DC movie role. Yeah. 
He's and like, I'm, my last name's Hammer. Let me be Thor. Come on, please. And people pointed out that his mother is a MAGA. You know, she, She's a MAGA. She donates to Trump. And he had clicked uh, like on him. some post of he, hers yeah. where she was wearing a MAGA he, hat or something. He clicked like on her voting booth photo in 2016. Really? Which is, I'm indifferent yeah. on that. But I'm okay. indifferent on it, too. I mean, it was funny to, like, see that tweet and be like, oh, here's some tea. It's an Oedipus yeah. right? thing. But also... His mom, you can't boycott your mom. You can. More white people should. But, um, you know, it's him and his issue with his mom is different from him trying to say we should boycott Marvel. Do you think he's trying to deflect? Or do you think he's in agreement with this? Or I mean, I don't know why he would be tweeting anything so soon after releasing a Instagram video (laughs) of his son sucking his toes with a hashtag foot fetish on fleek. I also, <laughs> which is absurd, definitely what he did three weeks ago. Absurd celebrity news occurs at such a rapid rate that I can't believe I am saying I forgot that happened I and saw it. Yeah. Wow, keep, Army. Keep scrolling. Yeah. Uh, I'm scarred. Yeah. I'm going to think about him and the man from Uncle to wipe that memory right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is just sort of the idea of boycotts, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's hard and it is. Supposed to be disruptive, though. You know, I know when we want to boycott things that are advertising on Fox News, uh, we sort of only do it when, like, Laura Ingram says something especially racist. Mm -hmm. But then we sort of forget about that a couple of weeks later. Those companies are all still advertising on a Fox News. And so it's at what point do we draw a line? At one point, are you allowed to be like, I do this? You know, should you... Also, be a person tweeting at other gays, cancel Equinox, um, don't go to Marvel movies when you're at home listening to a Kim Petras song. Exactly. Exactly. And you can't just decide what you're going to boycott and what you're not going to boycott and then get mad at others for that exact reason. So that's where I'm at with it. I mean, I never had a, a, something I got to cancel, but it just the whole boycotting thing gets confusing. Like, we really all trying to be Rosa Parks and mm. without well, Rosa Parks energy. Do you know what I yeah, mean? I get it, you know, and I... I don't like the bus, <laughs> so I will never be running. <laughs> I'm astounded by the number of people, though, who have the um, uh, 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 self-possession to go to a gym where you don't take classes all the time. Guys, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do shit. I need somebody flirtatious mm-hmm. and Australian to scream orders at me. <laughs> you like training, mate? Yeah, but actually, I'm not in training, mate. But uh, mm-hmm. flirtatious Australians have taken over Los Angeles, so you can't avoid them. Yes, they're everywhere. All right. <laughs> See, when you pulled that cranky earlier, I got upset. Sierra. That was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I can't believe you. Oh my god! Come after my Australian accent like that. What am I doing? Choking wow. on wallaby. Wow, that that was the worst accent I've ever done. Jackie Weaver should throw a boomerang at you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're back. We're joined by the divine Angelica Ross. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis. Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. 
And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And (laughs) I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Today, we are excited to welcome actress, activist, mm-hmm. my personal queen, mm. Angelica Ross, to keep it. Yeah. Hello. Hello. I am loving how you have breezed in here. <laughs> she she walked in with the mug so close to her face. It was perfect. <laughs> it was just, it was runway mug holding. I, yes. yes. I wish y'all could see her. Right it was now. a keep it this commercial, yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, we should have filmed it and released it to get people to watch the show. Uh, just the glamour, the sunglasses. Thank you. Just giving us, I don't know. We don't have another word for life. That's what you give yes. us. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I appreciate it because I, I sometimes I need life back. You know, when I give life, I always get life from folks too. So <laughs> I'm getting life from you all. Your hair was giving me life. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? No, listen, you. because I can't wear my natural hair right now because yeah. I'm doing the whole Hollywood thing stuff. right now. So I had to, you know, I got a hat. <laughs> yeah, I got hats. I got it. But for you know, but I got my boots on. And I feel like my boots match your earrings. Like, okay. Okay. The gold hoops and the yes oh, yeah. and the chains yes. on the, and the chains. 
stains on there, so okay. I, I wish I had those on, but you know. Oh, but I'm wearing yellow, so you know. We shine together. Yes, black we shine women. together. We shine yeah. together. <laughs> uh, before we even get into anything, mm-hmm. you just met Janet Jackson. <gasps> Excuse me? That's why you're glowing like I this. know. That's, that is the glow. <laughs> that's why I'm okay. in my banshee, like, you know, that's why I'm still feeling my banshee-ness. Like, Janet Jackson just gave me life. I, yeah. I went to see Janet in Vegas with some of my castmates from Pose with uh, Delon Burnside and Haley Sahar. And my friend Kaylin. And Kaylin. And Kaylin is now my friend. <laughs> Kaylin's amazing. Kaylin's so amazing. Everybody knows Kaylin, basically. So we went there and Janet you, it was just amazing. And then I, w- I wasn't sure. I didn't know what was going down, but... As things kept going, I was like, girl, I think we're going to meet Janet Jackson. Like, about to meet Janet Jackson. And they and we did. And she loves Pose. And she's been binge watching on Netflix, you know. And she's like, when is it coming out on um, on uh, Netflix? I'm like, okay. It's coming out <laughs> on Netflix. On Netflix. Oh, we're going to get it for you, oh, Janet. We're going to get it for you because I want you to binge it. Yeah. I love oh, that Janet feels just like. Your family member who's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, like wa- I'm watching <laughs> your auntie. He's like, I've auntie. been watching your pose on uh, Netflix. Netflix. Like, well, it's, it's on FX, but I'm not going to tell you that because it'll be easier for you to find it on Netflix. Right, right. <laughs> How did absolutely. it feel? You know, you meeting Janet Jackson, she already knows your face. She already knows you and all the things you've done. I've been having a very, 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 very surreal experience. Whew, it just, I mean, that for, I, I've been, it's been surreal because you watch these greats coming up. Like, I'm a girl of a particular age, even though I don't look it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I, but I've been watching these greats and, you know, really relating with a lot of their journeys coming up. I truly believe that in life, um, I really do believe that you vibrate at certain frequencies and you sort of like attract different experiences. And a lot of the experiences and the people that I've been attracting myself to have been people I've known to be really hard workers. Mm-hmm. Angela Bassett, mm-hmm. really hard workers, you know, and really just talented. She so. was just on the show. Once she was. Yes. <laughs> and I couldn't yeah. be there for the interview anyway. It's not a big deal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I want us I to play sisters. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've put it out there. Unfortunately, it must occur now. Yeah. No, you know, honestly, my fantasy, fantasy movie with Angela Bassett, honestly, is Death Becomes Her. Oh, hell yes. Um, uh, with her as the lead, obviously. Yes. But with me as the um, the person that offers the potion. Isabella Rossellini. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And just the slit for days with these legs. Yeah. <laughs> my so. dream Death Becomes a Reboot was always uh, Ryan Seacrest and Mario Lopez. <laughs> like, yes. Like, well, like, well-manicured men fighting. Like, I need that version. Yes, yes, yes. 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 But the less transphobic them. one. Yeah. 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 Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Outside of that, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this was a 2011 fantasy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take my glasses off because I'm not going to read her. Let me <laughs> okay. take the glasses uh, Back when we were still like extra, extra yes. with Mario. Uh, I feel like you were in the Ryan Murphy sphere. I feel like if you just walked past Ryan and were loudly like, Boy, I would love to do Death Becomes Her with Angela Bassett, me playing Isabella Rossellini. 2020. His eyebrow would raise, and next week in Deadline, it would say, Ryan Murphy is rebooting Death Becomes Her. You know what? Speak it into existence is what I've always learned. So Honestly, because when it came to meeting Ryan Murphy and just getting into that whole family— you know, I, I, I'm a Buddhist, and I always talk about this, so we're happy. But, mm-hmm. like, 
it's very serendipitous of how um, I auditioned. I didn't really want to audition because I didn't really thought I fit into the, the whole world, but, you know, just into the the, the roles that they had written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I passed on it. Um, but then my agents got me to do a self-tape. And so I got a call back off the self-tape. They flew me to uh, New York. I did the whole, you know, call back. And I did not get the role of Blanca. You know, cried about it, got over it. Um, got home was with my mom. My mom was visiting and she just wanted to go on to Rodale Drive, you know, just because a pretty woman, you know, and dry, and yeah. Oh, Beverly Hills. Well, yeah, Beverly Hills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she wanted to do the whole thing. So we're we're walking down Rodale Drive and I walk right past Ryan Murphy. And I'm like, oh, hey Ryan. And I don't think he even recognized yeah. who I was, you know, at that time, you know. And so it was just like, is the universe messing with me like what is going on here like so I knew the universe was like dropping signs that like it's not over mm-hmm. you know and so I always now and I truly truly believe that saying that what is for you will not pass you by mm-hmm. you know especially in a shopping district yeah. especially yeah. in a shopping district yeah. yes absolutely um, no that is so wonderful because I feel like I mean getting into Pose your character is so fun and you know and we talk about the idea of Pose being, you know, representation for, you know, trans women, but, you know, also uh, trans women of color. And it's just so, it was so fun seeing Candy be able to be who she was on the show and be extra. You know, it yes. wasn't, didn't feel like an after school special. No, no. I really feel like Candy is you. Like when I look at you, <laughs> yeah. I see, I see that character. Like that is, if I could really, really see Angelica coming through in that. Well, I have to say, like, it's it's so interesting because so many people, when I first uh, stepped on the scene in season one, you know, a lot of people had a little difficulty who knew me from before mm-hmm. because they were like, well, Angelica's a sweet girl, you know, like she, you know, does the nonprofit thing. She does these things. And why mm-hmm. is she reading? And why is she reading Blanca? But, you know, so that was kind of like a different side. But like. What you definitely are seeing is that candy is a part of me, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Like, I had to pull a, something real, you know, and I know that girl. And honestly, like, my I had this sister coming up. Her name was Kenya Black. Shout out Kenya back in the day, you know. And she was performing or whatnot. And she, you know, read me for filth when I first came out. So she's where I got <laughs> the uh, cross-dresser line from. She's where I got a. I know this community so much that I could pull these little things from it. So um, uh, Candy's within me, but, you know, I have a little bit more cooth. <laughs> Underrated word. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite things about Pose is it's one of these shows like Mad Men where everything about it is immersive, like the costumes, the music, the cinematography. And I think that's something that the home viewer gets a lot of. Like, I immediately feel like a part of this world. As an actor on that show, I feel like, well, that's not all immediately there in front of you. You obviously don't feel like it's really 1990 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you're on that set, does it feel immersive? Do you feel transported? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, they change the cars on the streets. Um, everyone has their hair done differently and is in, you know, the gap and everything. So it's, uh, you're immediately transported back. And and honestly, from the time we walk into the trailer, I pretty much put hit on the playlist that's, you know, all the music from mm-hmm. that time. Oh, gosh. When I, literally, I'm in the car and I think songs come on. I'm like, this better get on pose. Like, yes. Karen White, Romantic, I better be hearing oh, this. Oh, yeah. yes. Those are, listen, let me tell you, what's so amazing about Pose is that it's doing a lot of reconciliation on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's having conversations that I think 
we have been that have been delayed within the black community, mm-hmm. um, but that have gotten to a point um, that thankfully for Ryan Murphy, you know, uh, for helping to push this into the mainstream, that is now forcing us to have the conversations because you can't deny the fabulousness mm-hmm. that comes from that has been rejected from the homes, but that comes from the LGBT community as well as the fabulousness that comes from our R and B divas. Mm-hmm. You understand that have scored many of our lives, gay, straight, cis, trans, everything in between. So just recognizing something that then becomes so popular that it actually feeds back into the LGBT community of color and to these divas that probably some many that didn't get their due when when the songs were first yeah. out, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Stephanie Mills got one low down check from Never Do <laughs> Love Like This Before. You uh, hear me? They have been playing that song in the clubs in the since clubs. your episode, too. And, and the and girls have been popping out of cast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have always rocked with Stephanie Mills, obviously, uh, yes. growing up listening to her, but uh, I know one of her songs, um, I Feel Good All Over, oh, was, was specifically in, uh, was the love theme for two characters on Another World. And so they would play that every time that they were hanging out. And I just, when you were talking about this coming into black families, uh, I feel like that's something that Empire was almost able to do um, a bit because it was right. so huge and popular. And right. the Jamal storyline yes. um, was very important in that first season. It's just that these are big, splashy soap operas that everyone is going to watch. And I think those are the kind of shows where you show America how you can interact with people. You know, Baby. if you compare this to like a dynasty or something, white audiences have had storylines where they've been able to deal with a gay son, you know, mm-hmm. accepting other things in their family since like the 70s, 80s. And we don't have that. In our let me tell you what's not it's what's so amazing is it's not just this reflection about, you know, showing them sort of what to do and whatnot. But it's also a reflection for LGBTQ people of how to pay it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How to read a bitch, basically, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like that last week's episode. Ryan read that whole room. <laughs> Ryan read Ryan He's Jamal Swain. Mm-hmm. Uh Damon read Pray Tale. Yes. Mm-hmm. And baby Kev Candy was getting her life in heaven somewhere. <laughs> I promise you, because Candy wanted, I swear Candy was at that dinner. She was in the corner somewhere getting her life. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was amazing. Yeah, speaking about that, though, you know, for the people who have not seen it, sorry, spoiler, yes, oops, sorry, Candy um, died this season. Um, she was murdered. Yes. Um, can you tell us a bit about the background of that, like, episode of your thinking, like, we're going to tell a story about a black trans woman being murdered, and this is going to be so relevant for today. Absolutely. So first, let me start by saying, listen, y'all, keep up. Because, listen, we on mm-hmm. season two right now, and I totally understand the whole Netflix situation. But spoiler alert, listen, that stuff, that That's room is you. out the door That's on you. after mm-hmm. a minute. We in season two. That's so, so we out the door with that. <laughs> so let me just say that. Because also, that is also a reflection of the fact that these are issues that we are saying that were happening in the 80s mm-hmm. and the 90s. But it's honestly still happening today. I am unfortunately losing count. Of the black trans women. I've lost count. hundred percent. I think it's I'm I lost count. I think it's twelve. It might be thirteen. 
And that's sad for me to be able to say. So, But that's the beauty in having a show that is filmed in the 90s, 80s, because you get to see that those problems that seem to be a thing of the past, we're we still dealing with that stuff we're every still, day. And people, and this is the thing, and people are waking up to it like, oh, wow, like I never knew this was yeah. going on or what have you. So we have to sort of put that in position next to the whole um, phrase of people saying, oh, you got to understand this is something new. We're We're just learning about this. You, new to you. Mm-hmm. You. New to you. New to you. So, sweetheart, we are a collective. Let's, like, now pay attention. We. This is, look, I'm a woman of a certain age right now, So, and I know I'm not the oldest, and mm-hmm. I'm not the youngest, but it's 2019, yeah. and we've had the internet for a minute now. So, you can't claim this uh, willful ignorance anymore and this box around, well, listen, this is just what I believe. And this is my because, honey, life is coming knocking at all our doors, yeah. whether you're an immigrant, whether you're LGBTQ, you're a black person, you're a person with mental uh, cha- mental health challenges, your incarceration histories like baby. Uh, it runs the gamut. And if we don't learn how to support humanity across the board, you in danger, girl. We in danger. Yeah. And honestly, I know nobody's happy to see Candy go, definitely. No. But I think what's going to be beautiful about coming episodes is the resilience in the queer community. And we're going to get to see that because, you know, as queer people, we have no choice but to keep it pushing after Absolutely. things happen to us. Absolutely. So the beauty in like finding community, especially just, you know, in the ball house scene in general and the way that works. So I'm very excited to see what happens next. Yes. And, you know, it also sometimes when I see stories like this in the struggle, like, I love that it pays homage to a lot of the older trans and um, gay and bi and lesbian um, members who did not have the environment we have today. Mm -hmm. And that had to deal with, you know, I would say, again, a much even though this is a hostile environment, like, you know, again, we didn't have what we have today. And girls figured out a way. Girls kept it pushing. And so sometimes we're looking at the folks who are coming up today and who are having the opportunities that they have today, whether to to amplify their voices or to educate themselves or to do certain things. Um, It is baffling to a lot of us to see almost like, I don't know if it's a, it's a giving up or it's just like a, um, it's just hard for me to watch people not um, reach, not like try to empower themselves when things are right at their fingertips. Like for, I'll use this one example um, for my mom because I love you, mom. But like, um, you know, you know, you give your older generation, you know, they get technology or what have you. And so, you know, you buy your mom an iPhone, you know, when they first get their iPhone or what have you. And but they're still asking you a lot of questions that are like right at their fingertips. Like, the you know, just those things. But they don't know how to use those yeah. things, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the young folks, 23 no, yes. 24, 20. No excuse. Right. And you have a phone in your hand with internet connection. <laughs> and you constantly and you are looking have. at it, too. And you're constantly you're on, it. on it and looking at it. Girl, if you don't get out my face with these questions. Yes. Right. There's always not this Google. fun thing of, like, I feel like when we have conversations, <laughs> especially, like, when I'm hanging out with Lewis, like, we'll be making, like, pop culture references and things, right? Sometimes there'll come a moment where, like, you can't remember something. It's fun in the moment to figure it out together sometimes, <laughs> but... Some basic things when people are talking about stuff, it's like, look it up. When you tweet something, you know, about, like, why you're doing something, for instance, you know, like, black queer people, you know, Mm -hmm. especially black trans women. They're always like, 
well, why can't you support all of us, et cetera? You're like, well, look at the amount of deaths this year. They're like, I didn't know that. Then why were you in the thread? (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but like, honestly, if we focus on freeing the most marginalized person, everybody gonna be free. Then everybody gets to get to feel the ripple effect Mm -hmm. of that because when it comes to representation, um, we have to realize that it's only now that we've gotten this focus on like trans women of color and gay mm-hmm. people of color in the media. Because before that, it was always the white representation. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything was whitewashed, like no- from normal. I don't even know what year that was, but somebody Google it. But whatever <laughs> year that was, you know, trans America, like everything mm-hmm. that you can think right, of, right. you know, it was just white. And and we weren't getting these stories. Another one of Felicity Huffman's cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fine film. Honestly, I loved it. Yeah. It was I, good, I, The only reason why, I mean, I loved it. The reason why I loved it because mm-hmm. it's what we got mm-hmm. yeah. right, at that time. Right, right. And we have story, black trans women telling stories but also helped, like, directed by black trans women. That's not mm-hmm. just the stories being told, but being oh told goodness. by the people. Like, how was working with Janet Mock and getting to do all that? Having all that trust, you know, I just had a lot of trust with Janet Mock on the set. Um, and just understanding that this is a collaboration. It's a collaboration mm-hmm. between the actors, between me, between the directors, the writers, Ryan Murphy, Janet Mock, Stephen Canals, you know, all of these folks. And so I'm just very much a sponge. And, you know, what I love with Janet is... The job of a director, really, one of the main jobs is to be at least be, listen, I'm telling the directors how to do your job. (laughs) No, but one of the main jobs of the director is to communicate to their actors what they want. Mm -hmm. What, what, at least that, that's, you know, the straight up bottom line. To have Janet as a black trans woman, there are things she didn't even need to communicate. We communicated in looks in other ways. Because that's how we do. So, but she did also obviously verbally communicate, but it's just be with that in mind, we were able to create magic on the set. I mm-hmm. think just the reads that Janet wrote, you know, a lot of times for me, um, you know, I would deliver them and sometimes I would even like, you know, tweak them a little bit and improve, you know, like uh, the in the diner. Um, Don't, I know exactly what yes, you're talking about. Yes, yes. Will you pull the knife? <laughs> yes, off right yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, in the diner, like, they're like, um, you know, I come in and I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, well, everybody knows this is where you, um, you know, ingrates meet up or something like that or whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, yeah, okay. And so then I, I go in though, and, and this is what I've learned again, I say as an actor, that has learned improv. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't spend time in improv, don't step in the pool. You know, yeah. that's kind of the situation. And not on the live stage. You mm-hmm. know, you do that somewhere where you can play around. But, um, you know, so coming into that, I've learned now to trust my instincts um, as an actor. You know, I've done the work to prepare for that space. So then I come in and I'm like, okay, let me just trust my first thing. So I come in and I'm like, everybody knows this is where you bottoms brunch, you know? And they're like, you know, they're like, yep, keep that one. And I've been saying it. And, and, not only, and not only that, but Janet also, Janet was like, Janet Janet gave me an interesting note. And, you know, hopefully I can I can share this. But like, basically she was like, you know, with Pray Tell and the boys there, she was like, yes, continue to attack his like masculinity or femininity, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, in this way that because of this relationship that Pray Tell and I have had, around the ways, the reasons why he's read me and the reasons that he said it, like the funeral and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why even when in later episodes, you know, if, you know, when people see, you know, I, I, I'm i like, girl, you know, or those things that we say. Because girl, when you say girl sometimes to your gay brothers and stuff like that, um, what that is, is this, this very interesting and cute, but it's the same way that other words are used to remind folks in our community that girl, 
Mm-hmm. We the same girl, right? Yeah. Right. Like, don't get it, girl. Don't get it twisted because they thinking about us the same way, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of, like parents googling something. I would say that, um, you know, you're always you always have that weird conversation with your parents when like they'll ask you something about like gay things, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll be like, uh, maybe the cutest thing my mom ever asked me once. She was like. Why do y'all say girl? I was like, oh my God, that was a fun question to answer. It yeah. didn't feel embarrassing. Yeah, that has well, I mean, but there's so, so many levels to it. Yeah. You know? And you can also begin your answer with girl. Yeah. Yes. Like, and girl, I let me even, tell you. Well, it's like the B word, too. Like, I, Candy can say that 50 different ways. Like, and, You drag and, it out, bitch. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you think, like, bitch. You know? <laughs> and it's so heartwarming, you know? <laughs> or if you're mad, this true. bitch. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the fun things that I feel like Angela mentioned was that working with Ryan feels like a theater troupe. You know, it's like you get to do so many fun things. And, you know, she went from Coven to um, to Roanoke to now 911. And now you are jumping into American Horror Story 1984. Yes. Making history, too. You know, the first you trans know. woman with, yeah. you know, Casual. two series regular roles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just doing big things out here. Yeah, and just joining and, and joining that cast, period. You know, as a trans woman, as a black trans woman in, in horror and in just all of it is is amazing. And I have to say there's so many different aspects of it that are amazing. Um, I probably almost cried yesterday at work just because I was so overwhelmed by how amazing the experience is. Um, I'm a theater kid. So I, you know, I came up, this was my heart and soul, like since diapers, honestly. And so when I came out or when I transitioned and all these things and the world started almost communicating to me, this ain't going to happen for you, girl. Mm -hmm. Um, It was sort of a devastating thing, and it takes the life out of you, you know. And I think that for many of us through, you know, spiritual violence and all kind of things, you know, people have tried to take the life out of us. And I think that's why it's so beautiful and profound of how we give each other life back, you know, to be able to do these things. But like Ryan has given me my life back, honestly, on this platform to be able to feel like I'm in this theater troupe because with Candy, that was a role. With this new role on American Horror Story, it's a completely different role. My hair is completely different, although they they use actually some of my hair in, you know, the wig, which is amazing. It's incredible. Um, so it's it's um, and my 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 um, stand in is this beautiful, dark-skinned, um, black cis woman, mm-hmm. you know, which is, I think, is beautiful as well. You know, I think, um, you know, I have a stunt double, you know, I have a, who is a, a very nice, fit black woman, you know what I mean? So, you know, communicate. I think on so many levels, it's communicating different messages. You know, I, across the board from Pose to American Horror Story have insisted that with my presence and with me coming into the room that I usher in more black women, whether that be trans or cis, they just have to be great at what they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not about, you know, giving somebody uh, opportunities and jobs that can't do nothing because um, I'm telling you, my own family member is almost out the door. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it together, brother. You're almost out the door. But that's, I don't play that. But But when it comes to being great, you know, my parents have always told me, um, baby, you got to work three times as hard as white people to get ahead. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. That's how the world is. Sorry to tell you that. Yeah. But if you want to be great and do great things, 
then that's what greatness is going to take. I always try to explain to people, like, as a genderqueer black woman, I start at negative 20,000, and I got to work myself up to zero where everyone else actually starts. Absolutely. You know, and it's like a sliding scale on your levels of marginalization. But what you said about the being a theater kid really resonated with me because I always was, and I told myself, you're not going to find roles. You're going to have to change yourself for roles. You have to carve out your own niche. And now, look at this. You got roles that are for you where you can be yourself, and I think that's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. And, you know, just what, just on what you say, you know, it's it's unfortunate because even as a black woman, you know, you we barely have support. For, it's just it's just evident we're we're lacking in support from black cis men. But especially if you are not if you're queer or lesbian or trans and you're not on their radar for some reason or whatever, not their sexual interest or whatever, you know, patriarchy, misogyny, you know, all the things, then good luck, you know, having their support. But we. Right now, that's why I'm so thankful, again, for Ryan Murphy. And, you know, I'm never anyone. Because first season, you know, I was very happy to be on polls and doing all this kind of stuff. And we're doing great things. You know, and I'm never one to really, like, be blowing up somebody's name or spot or whatever the case is, you know. But, like, honestly, you know, Ryan Murphy, I'm just so grateful because, you know, I want black creators to be doing what he's doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Why aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thankful that Ryan Murphy is doing that because he's putting me into a position that not only affirms my talent, but it empowers me to walk into rooms and to have a conversation with people I would probably not have access to or have a conversation with. And now I'm right in your face because I'm in this room too, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we are so Cheers! <laughs> Cheers! Oh, she's arrived. Yes. Yes. Keep it, yeah. I'm so glad we had you in this room. You know I love you. I love you too. I love every time I walk into a room and I see you in there. How about you do every audiobook from now till the end of time? Your voice is Um, such a pleasure just to listen to. Thank you. I am actually working on my own audiobook, you know, but my own book. No, I'm I'm just my own book. But I actually that's something I just like dream of is doing audiobooks. Um, for the reason of with my uh, nonprofit Trans Tech, I want to also attack the issue of literacy. Um, because I realized that some people weren't really big fans of Janet Mox in the beginning because they uh, of our, from our trans community because they didn't realize she shared the same experience because they didn't really read her book. You mm-hmm. know, it was sort of this little you got to read the books. Yeah, and it, but, but it was just this barrier. They yeah. just you know, mm-hmm. and so I and, and when Janet came out with the audiobook, it was just something that was like, oh, mm-hmm. I wanted to share it, share it, share it, share it. You know, because the more that we can. Tell our stories in all the different ways, the more that we can all receive it and get our lives. I hear that. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We will be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Universal Pictures is at it again. Were they at it before? I don't know. Maybe. I actually have no memory for what studio does what. I, other people are really acute with that. I reserve all of my acuteness for, you know, yeah, unless Oscars by year. Yeah, unless smaller, I'm not interested. I don't really, right. really know or pay attention Like to Annapurna, I kind of remember that. Mm -hmm. Moving on. I'm still trying to learn the 20th Century Fox Mambo. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Universal just canceled the release of the Hunt, mm. a satirical thriller about global elites hunting normal people, due in part to the recent mass shootings and criticism that the film might heighten those tensions. But also, people are saying the film was canceled because Donald Trump tweeted, liberal Hollywood is racist at the highest level and with great anger and hate. They like to call themselves elite, but they are not elite. Side note, they're the ones who call us elites all yeah. the time. <laughs> Name a single human being who calls himself an elite of any political persuasion. Not even the cast of Netflix's elite call would themselves say that. elite. Right. No. Only Trump would call himself an elite, actually. Yeah. I'm surprised he said liberal Hollywood. Doesn't he already have the notion that you would he, he would just say Hollywood? Yeah. He just like words. He's yeah. like, I know. He has to say liberal Hollywood because he has um, D-list actors who support mm -hmm, him who mm -hmm. may or may not appear in a Quibi series. Right. Um, <laughs> in fact, it is often people that they so strongly oppose that are actually the elite. The movie coming out is made in order to inflame and cause chaos. They create their own violence and then try to blame others. They are the true racists and are very bad for our country. Wow. Also, when he said yes. at the beginning of that tweet, uh, race, racism at the highest level, that's how racism works. There are echelons. <laughs> There's levels. Yeah, of yeah. Certainly uh -huh. there are. So, you can achieve a certain quality of racism. Clearly, this tweet was coming after he had been very extra racist for the past decade, um, but even more so recently. And so obviously this trailer comes out. Here's a chance for him to deflect and say that we're the actual racist ones, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like like when Kathy Griffin had her big dust up with that picture of Trump. Then he got to be like, oh, they're the incendiary ones, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, making up some bullshit. So this movie is canceled. And, you know, the movie starred um, Ike Barinholtz. Um, Our pal. Gilton, yeah. Yes, Emma Roberts, Hilary Swank, Justin Hartley, and Glenn Howerton, which is interesting because when Ike was on the show, we were talking about the idea of, um, Paramount pulling the show Heathers because of gun violence, mm -hmm. right? And now he's in a project that got pulled. Oh, you're saying we cursed him. Because, I know, we did. We did. Well, yes, we caused all the gun violence in America. Oh, yeah, keep right. It. Yeah. Stop listening to Keep It. It incites violence. Um, I wonder if this has something to do with, you know, all of the fervor on the right and if it's actually the studio thinking that now isn't the time to release this. Because as we said before, 
if you're going to make a movie about gun violence, there's never going to be a good time there will to always, release it because there's always going to be another shooting. There will have country. always just been an El Paso or a Dayton, no matter what. So I, I just, I don't think that Trump really cares about this. I think that he just you know, knows he needs to be vocal on this so that he can ignite his little mm-hmm. army of, let me hold my tongue. <laughs> Never I mean, hold your tongue about Trump here. Uh, you know, talking about the fact that this movie is inciting violence, mm-hmm. which is literally the thing that he does at his rallies, uh, is wild. And yeah. it's wild that we keep letting ourselves be pulled into these bad faith arguments. Right. Like, it's it's not true. This movie, First of all, no one's seen it. Yeah, we don't even know barely so, what it's about. No one knows the politics of this movie yet. They don't know the politics of it. Right. The vibe of it sort of seems to me to be like a Shirley Jackson short story vibe. Mm-hmm. You like know? the lottery. There's a well, I think from what I saw, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the plot or what it is, but I think it's supposed to be uh, uh, very rich liberals mm-hmm. who get to trap MAGA types and hunt them for fun. Yes. Well, that is the insistence. Mm-hmm. We do know that someone who has seen it has said that okay. there is the phrase deplorables in it, mm-hmm. but. It's also, we don't know what's going to happen at the end of the movie. We don't know the political leanings of these deplorables. And it sounds like political satire that could turn anywhere else at some point, too. And like you said, it's very the lottery, very um, seems just like a remake of the most dangerous game. Right. You know, and we've Mm -hmm. we've had these things of rich people hunting poor people in the movies all the time. Isn't it from the makers of The Purge as well? Yeah. Um, And no one had that issue when The Purge came out. Uh And... This is almost seems very similar to Ready or Not, which is coming out now, mm-hmm. right? Where that rich family is hunting um, the girl who's about to become part of the family. So it's you can't really just pick and choose what stuff you think is going to be violent for America. Yes, yeah, and it brings up this dumb conversation again of video games, movies. Like these are causing the shootings. Well, it, when we talked about Heather's being canceled too, there's a particularly something is sort of grisly about the fact that they felt like they were going to sneak it in during a moment when we weren't really talking about gun control that much. So it would be whatever palatable. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately a hit, you know, during a moment, we just had a massacre. So unfortunately Mm -hmm. now it's tasteless. It's like, if you're going to make something like this, you need to stand behind it. It's like gross to cancel it because it came out at an ill-timed moment. You know, it either is resonant or it's not. Well, that was the point too of the original Heathers. It was the idea that we are, talking about some violence in America that has maybe started to happen, but it's not widespread yet. If you're making the movie for a point to make a political statement, then that political statement should still be relevant no matter what. Correct. Uh Yes. I think that like maybe we need to demarket kind of the movies that are made to make commentaries on capitalism, I think, like the way The Purge is. And this one who is this one that is very, very overtly political. Um, I think my fear with no matter if this movie came out, if we saw whatever, I would have seen it and been like, this isn't correct because there's no racial commentary here. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like it would have missed the mark regardless for me. I'm not too happy. I'm not too sad or happy about it getting canceled. I would have loved to see it to see if it actually was a satire. I would have loved to see Emma Roberts versus Betty Gopa. Sure. (laughs) I've staged it many times in my head. In my dreams. (laughs) Also, I've got news for you. I root for Hillary Swank. I feel like there's this weird 
kind of punchline thing attached to her that she had two perfect performances and then just disappeared. It's like, I don't understand her career. I, mean, I don't know why this happened this way for her. Boys because, Don't Cry and, and Beverly Hills 90210? That's correct. Yes. Uh, Freedom Writers. No. Uh, 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 <laughs> million Dollar Baby. Million yeah, Dollar million Baby. Dollar yes. <laughs> She's a Nebraska native, so I have to support her no matter what she does. Oh, yes. Nebraska, yeah. Nebraska. There's you love three of us. Her. There's few, three of us. I have a few favorite <laughs> Nebraska natives. I'll bring them up okay, momentarily. Um, but... Uh, for instance, her performance in Boys Don't Cry, I think, is one of the great mm. Oscar moments, like just like a fantastic win. So whenever she has to take an L, take L. and get in, in this movie goes, it's like, I still feel like we haven't absorbed her. Like we didn't get enough of her yet. And I think she really is prestigious and rad. So whenever we lose a Hillary Swank project, which does that happen a lot? I don't know. Maybe no one's telling me about her. I get upset because I really think we haven't absorbed the best of her. I, even though she's gotten two Oscars, I still think there's more. What do we want from Hillary Swank? Where, where would she be best? I mean, like, it's weird that she hasn't had the Tomb Raidery sort of mm-hmm. uh, protagonist you know, role. I, I just think she seems like a cool person in general. Maybe I just follow her Instagram and find her interesting. And you know that she's fierce and that, that needs yeah. to come out mm-hmm. in her role. Right. Well, I mean, I brought up Beverly Hills 90210. She started in something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I wish she could go back to something like A Big Little Lies or, mm. you know, just some sort of yeah. soapy adult this moment to shown, put her back in the mainstream. I feel like this movie really would have shown that, like, multidimensional level to her. But, I, you know, we don't get to see that, unfortunately. Right. I want to see her wielding a gun and shooting people down. That'd be funny. But I know that we're not going to get to see that. Right. Mm. I also, uh, uh, have, you, have you met Betty Gilpin ever? I know her, like, one one-hundredth of a percent, whatever. She is so preternaturally hilarious mm-hmm. and talented, and I love her on Glow so She's much. She's fucking so amazing I'm, on Glow. I really lament that. I yeah. really lament that Which part of it. Which everyone needs to be watching. Watch Glow. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. Well, you won't be able to see The Hunt, but watch Glow on Netflix. <laughs> That's the compromise. <laughs> That's your Jerry Springer Hill. final word on that? <laughs> yes. Uh, Don't you miss that? I know. Well, actually, he was the worst of the '90s talk show hosts. We can talk about that another time. And my favorite Nebraskan is there's an actor, uh, actress named Sandy Dennis who was in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in the '60s. She looks Nebraskan. Oh my goodness. Anyway, okay. yeah. <laughs> I would say the best in '90s talk show host was Mother Love. Uh, forgive or forget. Yeah. Season two. Yeah. Robin Givens gave that right up. <laughs> All right. When we're back, keep it. And we are back with Keep It, our favorite segment of the episode. Lewis, I'm looking at you. Okay. But oh, that was let, my cue. But I'm going to let. I'm new to show to, business. But I'm going to let you oh, okay. go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Pick up on cues. Kathleen would be so mad at you. True, true, true. I'm going first? Yeah, yes. you are. My Keep It. Okay. Here's what I'm good on. So. I am a stand-up comedian primarily and do a lot of comedy writing. So unfortunately, I'd be keeping up on all the things that all the people are doing. Sarah Silverman recently lost a movie role, a small movie role. Uh, She refused to disclose what movie it was. However, she was supposed to be in this movie but got dropped because the people who are producing it saw a blackface sketch she did from her to like 2007 Sarah Silverman program show that she had on Comedy Central. Um, Personally... I want them to keep it because you gotta you gotta atoll for your sins. You gotta you gotta and I understand that cancel culture and the problems that we have against it are a huge thing. However, I am not very happy with the fact that she would go on I think it was the Bill Simmons podcast and to say, like, I showed regret for this, I showed remorse. Sis is still blackface. It's still blackface. And I have I have no sympathy for that. And I, I know that she's trying to do it in this angle that's 
uh, comedians tend to say, okay, well, let's let's identify a problem in reality and then subvert it by using the thing it is. So she tried to use racism to subvert racism, but it came off poorly because it was a white woman in blackface still mm-hmm. trying to make a mockery of it. And I understand what her point was, but I think through and through the reason why I, why I say keep it is because I think the person who is marginalized needs to be the one handling the issue. Like I, as a black woman, can be like, okay, let's talk about racism, let's do that. But no white person needs to be in blackface trying to make a point about racism. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. When uh, I saw this happen, it was actually very interesting to me because I know that she has talked publicly before and denounced it and apologized. But what's funny is there had never actually been any sort of repercussion for it. Uh, that's as far as we knew, you know, and when this happened, I was like, oh, well, this is what would have happened if that had come, if you had done the blackface and like we were really paying attention to it in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have been in a movie or the show might have ended um, or someone would have been like Comedy Central, what are you doing? So, I mean, even though she's apologized, it's, it's hard to feel bad because it happened, yeah. you know, and here's something that unfortunately is a domino effect of something and the people you were working with in particular probably seem to care you know other people who might know about it she's been in other projects they know and so she's able to still have a career and move on yeah she'll be fine and i also think that there are so many other up-and-coming comedians that could play that role that didn't do blackface Mm -hmm. and you could also spin it the other angle and say i think specifically what she said is they gave it to another comedian who has never stuck her neck out like that but I mean, clearly that comedian has gotten to a place where she can be successful and get roles like that without having to offend large groups of people. Mm-hmm. That was one of the weirdest parts of the statement. Yeah. Um, the Another comedian who's never stuck her neck out because I wasn't sure what she meant. Mm-hmm. Like stuck her neck out for other comedians, stuck her neck out in terms of like race, the way she tried to. It was just a very confusing statement. There's also something about 2000s comedy where I feel like there was a long streak of people who were really outlandish. Like somebody who comes to mind is Lisa Lampanelli. Yeah. Just like the bottom line is, I don't want to say it was ever appropriate for that time, but it's just, we're not done figuring out how much we fucked up really. So I just feel like there's, there are going to be these moments of, well, you might lose a role for that. I just, and I think Sarah Silverman is just at a level where one, she probably expect. I would assume she expects it on some level, so, uh, re- these repercussions to keep coming up. But two, I think she also, I mean, among comedians has done, generally speaking, I like how much she has atoned for what she has done. And I feel like I, I hope she will impress me again in the future with her reactions to these things is all yeah. I can say. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I feel like that period of comedy came after the 90s, which was such a huge sort of... Um, black comedy sphere yeah and i feel like black um comedy and like celebrities were really sort of mainstream right and that was the comedy that audiences really wanted yeah at that point so if you're a white comedian and you're trying to be like how do i participate in this sphere or how do i comment on race and things and i think that yes the 2000s got a lot of things with people trying to be edgy in that respect with comedy that was working at the time. It was a very Comedy Central roast time, yeah, you know? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like, we don't need those anymore. I'm going to say, we look don't... back at some of them, I'm sure we would be a little upset. <laughs> very much, even current ones that I go to now right. roast battle. Well, I feel like now we're not, art kind of moves in phases, so when black people finally got to enter the comedy sphere, it was all kind of cookie cutter, fun, not really taking on a lot of topics. I'm thinking like Martin and, you know, living single, things like that. But during that time, what was going on was white people needed to figure out how they fit into the comedy world now as well. 
And I think it was being caustic kind of for caustic sake, like just to be offensive, you know, to be inflammatory in certain ways, not even always with a point. So and I think that's why also now we're getting to see black people get to finally enter the satirical sphere and kind of reflect back on, you know what I mean? Like if you look at it on a large scale. So, yeah, I Sarah Silverman, she needs to figure out what she doesn't she doesn't need this movie role. I know that for a fact she will be fine. She's Sarah Silverman. But I think that that's just an L that the white comedy world needs to take right now. That's their loss you know, cancel. It doesn't need to be a cancel culture conversation. It just needs to be now we've learned as a community and other white comedians know not to do that. Right. And, you know, like on the flip side, we dealt with this with um, Kevin Hart, the Eddie Murphy thing we talked about Mm -hmm. recently um, with like Andy Cohen and that stuff. You know, like we have a lot of black comedians who need to atone and may take an L in the future for past homophobic things that they Mm -hmm. said, you know. So it's like everybody on every it's not people coming after a white comedian. It's every comedian unfortunately, has gone through a period where they've done some shit that they they probably feel very bad for now. But unfortunately, everything that we've done, like, sort of lives out there now. Yeah. I love the phrase, take the L in this context. Take That's exactly L. right. Take that is L, exactly bro. right. Done. <laughs> uh, all right, Lewis. What is your key fit? One of my cattier ones. Oh, my God. Okay. She's right. Am I sorry? She's no. right. Oh, bitch. No. <laughs> Angelica Ross, the spirit has come back into us. I just saw a Hunter Harris uh, tweet that backs this up. Uh, keep it to Emma Watson's accent in the new Little Women trailer. Ew, ew. I'm unaware. What does she do? Well, okay. A lot of things are occurring in this trailer. First of all. Everybody I've admired in the years 2017 to 19 in white acting seems to be in it. Mm. We have Meryl in it, who is giving you comedy. Laura Dern is lingering, so it's a big little lies situation. (laughs) Plus, Timothy Chalamet, a.k.a. Timmy Chalamet, a.k.a. Ty Ty Chalamet. He's so cute. Saoirse Ronan? Yes. Timothy Chalamet, I always say about him, it's like every eyelash you ever made a wish on as a child grew up to be a man, and it's him. He's that personified. Yes, just like a wisp. Okay, were you there? No, in New York, uh, I saw a play, and it happened to be this play where you could see the rest of the audience, too. Mm -hmm. And he was seven seats down from me. It was Oklahoma. Yeah, I saw Oklahoma. That's the night I was at the out um, Oh, correct. Guys, when you see Timothy Chalamet in a room, you cannot stop. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I'm not invested in the exclamation point of Oklahoma anymore. I see this man with sort of Mozart hair to my left. And like, I'm wondering what he thinks of everything since he's, you know, a little bird. No, it it is kind of difficult seeing shows with a celebrity there. Yeah. I remember I saw the cat on a hot tin roof, um, the all black version yeah. that was on Broadway. And I remember Tyra Banks was there. Right. And didn't even notice. She became distracting in the second act because after the first act, she quickly got out with her entourage and guards and was whisked out, out and then carried. was whisked back in right before the second act started. It was like, girl, no one was checking for you at first, but now you've made all we're going to do is look for you. I picture her in the audience of a show just like Judy Denson, Shakespeare in Love, like cackling. Yeah. Over <laughs> the show. Um, but uh, here's the thing about Little Women also. Not only are these people, you know, great actors, they're fucking great actors. And I, Emma Watson, to me, Rarely gives me life on a cinematic level. And now she's just juxtaposed with people like Saoirse Ronan, who has never been bad in a movie. Mm -hmm. Florence Pugh, who was in a movie called Lady Macbeth last year. If you want to be frightened by a woman, please watch this movie. Chilling to the bone. In addition to all the other people I said, it's just a weird case of I feel like it's now rare that I see somebody who gives. I don't want to say a mediocre performance in a movie, but something that doesn't compare to other, the great actors around them because 
I feel like we're away from the era where somebody who was maybe like a magazine model ends up being an actor because we're so invested in them as a personality. Now, great actors, I just think, tend to rise to the top. There's always an occasion for them. Mm -hmm. This is a situation where Emma Watson will have to prove herself alongside a lot of veterans. And based on that accent, I am pessimistic. But girl, I'm going to give you a chance. I saw Perks of Being a Wallflower and you did a good job in that. Yeah. And she was great in The Bling Ring. Yeah. You know what? I never think about that movie. And she was good in that. Yeah. Uh, was her accent worse than my accent? No, I mean, she's a human being. She's, <laughs> you, as you know, are subhuman with your accent. Well, crikey. You're not subhuman <laughs> my accent over here. Yeah. Cheer up. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, I'm, I guess I'm excited for a little. Here's the thing. You know I love a moment of white excellence. Um, that's, why, that's why I love Stranger Things. I uh, love Funfetti Cake. Yes, but... Uh, you know, black people love fun fetish. Do they? Yeah. I love how you say white excellence like it's an oxymoron. I know, right? <laughs> You're like... <laughs> the white excellence jumped out. <laughs> it's like, ooh, I love a Cassavetes movie. <laughs> um, but something about this is just... I've never really cared for Little Women. I yeah. I like the Winona version. Talk about another person who is actually routinely not a good actor. But she is good in that one. <laughs> I'm not a Winona stan. I've never really gotten it. No, stop. Mm, I think it's just because. I know. I feel bad I eat. I think it's just because Heather's is my favorite movie. Say what? Yeah. Heather's is my favorite movie. I don't get Heather's. And and my second is the sax um, footage. Gotcha. Oh, yes. Oh, she slayed in that. Yes. Uh, That rack was no match for her. She did things the other girls weren't doing. Right. (laughs) At least on camera. Yes. But I'm. I, it's weird you don't get Heather's, but that's a story for another day. Uh, gossip for another day. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. But no, everything about Little Women to me feels very college. I think I've told you this before. feels very college theater, right? Mm-hmm. Where the very talented senior is directing their favorite play and all of the other really talented seniors who you've seen be in shows for the first three years of college are now in that play. Right. It's just that they're all friends. They're all just hanging out. They're doing House of Mirth. What a highly specific <laughs> analogy. They're doing the Ghost Sonata, mm-hmm. whatever. And you see it and you're like, okay, cool. But did we need to see that play? Yeah. I do, obviously. I think even not as much as you do, Stan Greta Gerwig, though. So yeah. I have all mm-hmm. the faith in the world. But yeah. Let's work on that accent, Emma. All right. Wow. My keep it is to every news outlet, particularly American news outlet, that is going out of their way to defend Priyanka Chopra. (laughs) Uh, So recently she was at BeautyCon in L.A., a thing that I always forget exists, but of course it's a BeautyCon. I'm so glad beautiful people and people concerned with beauty have a place to meet. (laughs) It's mostly about like makeup and that stuff, you know. I go there and sell cold creams out of my pinto sometimes. Uh But she was on a panel at BeautyCon, and a woman named Aisha Malik uh, was handed the microphone during a Q&A, right? And she said that it was kind of hard hearing you talk about humanity because as your neighbor, a Pakistani, I know you're a bit of a hypocrite. So right out of the gate, right out the Just gate ready to uh, at BeautyCon. Good morning. <laughs> she yeah. was like, you are here to talk about lipsticks. I'm here to talk about the crisis in Kashmir. I'll, I'll make you blush. <laughs> <laughs> so a little background. Um, Pakistan and India have sort of been in this battle over the sovereignty of Kashmir. And a lot of it has led to talks about 
possible nuclear war. Um, at one point, Priyanka tweeted Jai Hind, mm -hmm. which means, you know, like long live India. Yeah. Um, but she put out a hashtag Indian Armed Forces. And there's a battle back and forth online about whether or not this is jingoistic, you know, mm -hmm. whether or not this is in support of nuclear war, et cetera. Um, I can't really get into all of that because yeah. I feel like that's specifics on how you, you know, interpret what she said or mm -hmm. her meaning. My keep it is to the people sort of attacking this woman for where she brought it up. And I have always been a person that says that there's no good time for protest. Just like when we were watching the second Democratic debates and people were chanting, you know, how many deportations happened under Obama. You know, it's like, if you need to be heard, find a place for yourself to be heard, you know? And how you deal with that as the person being called out um, is where people start to respect you. And I really think that what I disliked was Priyanka immediately telling this woman, you're yelling, you know, like, I know you needed to vent, et cetera. It was very sort of condescending. Mm -hmm. And the responses to saying that this woman shouldn't have brought this up at BeautyCon, you know, Priyanka is a ambassador for UNICEF. Mm -hmm. So if she's going to take on that job, then that means that she needs to be able to respond to things like that. Even if the question were out of line and inappropriate, uh, there's still better ways to respond. And there's better ways for the media to write this up than doing glowing, you know, you go girl Priyanka posts, which are just so asinine and have no nuance in them whatsoever. Also, it's just a it was a question. Yeah. It was just a question. I personally believe that because it is, it was at once such a, the, the conflict between Pakistan and India has been like a fringe conversation that was only rel like relevant to people who were from those countries. Unfortunately, that was the case. But, okay, and another thing is, where was this woman supposed to access Priyanka Chopra other than, right. like, what? That's why I say there's no good time for protest. Mm -hmm. it's, if you have this question for Priyanka, ask her at a Q&A. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But that and that's why I'm happy that she did this so that, you know, these news outlets can say what they say, because then you realize that even though she is almost very clearly wrong and especially the way she handled it. We don't know how to react to our darlings, our American darlings, or I mean, our now American darlings, because we have never grappled with these issues to begin with. So mm -hmm. now we're finally in a place where we can see the—that's atrocious, the way that they're speaking about Priyanka after the way she treated Aisha. When Aisha just asking her a simple question, mm -hmm. especially because the phrase—and I learned this recently from a friend who is um, Indian, Jai Hind—is associated with Hindu nationalism, mm -hmm. which, you know, is— has its own problems in and of itself. Which and is like the question Modi. that was online. You know, it's different when you tweet Jai Hand mm -hmm. hashtag Indian Armed Forces, and if you say Jai Hand at a cricket game, very different. Got it. Yeah. Very different. <laughs> um, Nationalism, fun word to come up in pop culture again and again. Yeah. <laughs> I love all the many versions. Uh, so yes, you know, there, I'm glad that this is out there so that we can have this conversation about jingoism and you know mm -hmm. how the media is responding to Priyanka, et cetera, you know, and maybe she did come a bit hard out the gate immediately with, I find you a hypocrite, yeah. you know, but as I said, policing yeah. each other's language is a thing that you can do without sort of making her out to be, you know, the bad guy Chun-Li. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that phrase gets me upset. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Never call Chun Li a bad guy in front of Lewis. <sighs> She's one of the eight players you can choose. She's good. <laughs> and, and keep it on a woman of color speaking to a woman of color like that. We we're kind of supposed to be allies in a way, you know, and it's it's especially hard when this is a place where they want to have these conversations and have this certain rhetoric. And I have to watch and America has to watch mm-hmm. two people who we kind of want to be on the same team. But Yeah. Right. And if anything, her response of war is not something I'm really fond of, but I am patriotic is a dumb statement. Yeah. You know? It's neither here nor here <laughs> yeah. or there. And nor there. She also said, the way you came at me right now, girl, don't yell. We're all here for love. Don't yell. Don't embarrass yourself. That was where it jumped into rude. Priyanka. Like we're all could, here for love is pretty condescending. We're here we're for here we're for here for lipstick. We're here for mascara. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I, you know, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, that is our show. We will see you next week. Thank you again to Angelica Ross for enlivening for it at all. Yeah. For yes, being that for existing. <laughs> for being that, that big. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Keep It is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadine Melkonian, for filming and editing our video content every week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 